Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Momentum Focus podcast. I am your host, Amia Freeman, and that always feels kind of strange for me to say I'm your host because it just feels strange. Um, but a little backstory for those of y'all that don't know, when I, my degree in college is in journalism and because the school that I went to did not have a school of communications, we just had a program in communications. We had to learn all the things. And here I was at this little tiny Judeo-Christian school, and I found myself as a broadcaster for WCAV. Shout out to the Walsh University Cavaliers. And my sister and I decided to start a radio station. I don't think I had a DJ name. I don't even think I knew what I was doing. I just knew which button to push and play really good music. That was also pre-Jesus. Shout out to Tupac. But here's the funny thing is that it was a Christian campus and they let me play Tupac. It was the radio version, but it was Tupac and Lauren Hill. And the beauty of that is that that part of me has never changed because I believe that music is my love language. And the fact that I get to use a microphone every day of my life, whether it's on the podcast or as a fitness instructor, God, I feel like God redeemed that, like it wasn't wasted time. And so if you're joining us here today, that's just a little backstory of like, who is this person on the microphone? If this is your returning visit, now you know why I get so passionate about being able to be in this space. We are in a series that is called Emotional Wellness. Um, you could subtitle it, What Does It Take For Me To Truly Be Well? You could also subtitle it, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Somebody help me. And so I've been bringing guests on the show that are doing that. They are mostly women, but I'm also looking for a few good men that are uh, ready to come into the space to, to really talk to us about the practical tools um, to get free and to stay free. Um, but that often not, but, and that starts with the acknowledgement of something is not going well something's not going right. Um, something doesn't look like the way God intended it. And then there's the acceptance and awareness of I might need help. Um, and I really honestly, from the bottom of my heart, want to provide help in a way that no one feels like um, that they've been coerced, manipulated, or shamed into needing the help um, I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I have noticed some areas where I need help. And so I've been asking for it. And as a two on the Enneagram, that is a really vulnerable space for me as a helper to ask for help. Because then it kind of feels like, oh man, I let some people down because now I need the help. But God is showing me that wanting to be a helper is a part of who God is. He's the helper. And then needing help is a part of who God is because he has called us to partner with him to do the work. So those are both characteristics of who God is. Speaking of which, I never want to do any of this work until we have offered something from the word of God that will steer the conversation. Um, and so today is no different. And I am pulling from my stash of personalized cards. If you haven't heard sweet friend of mine blessed me last Christmas with a stack of scripture cards that have my name placed in the scripture. And so I'll read it and then you can insert your name where there will be a pause and I'll let you know where that is. So today's scripture is 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And it reads, God is able to bless you abundantly. Insert your name. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to bless you abundantly, insert your name, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So I really hope that that blesses you again. That was 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And I love the way God works because <clears throat> I believe that scripture is going to be 
just a, a jump off point for this conversation because I get to share the mic today with a sweet sister friend that was introduced by a mutual friend. And she just, the mutual friend said, I think you need to know her. And I think she'd be great on your podcast. And I started following her on Instagram and was almost stalking her. It was like, yes, she needs to be my friend. And like, for real, not just on Instagram. So I reached out to her and both of us had busy schedules when I initially reached out. And then we found the perfect time. And I know that her direction of her conversation is going to match what this scripture offers because the work she's already doing, um, I knew that y'all needed to know about it. So today I have a friend with me. Her Instagram name is Candice Writes. And if you know me, I'm a writer and a lover of words. So that alone, I was like, her Instagram handle alone, I was like, it's done. She's coming. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to hand the mic to her. Um, and Candace, just tell it. I'm your first, your real name's Candace, right? Or is that your stage? Candace Washington. My pen name is Candace Wrights. Okay. I figured yes. this, figured this, but I don't know. I was like, maybe that's her muse name. Like maybe that's like <laughs> her character or yeah. her, I don't know. But at any rate, um, tell us who you are and what it is that drives your passion to do what you do and tell them a little bit about what you do. Yeah, sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to just be talking to you, especially when it pertains to wellness. So I am a licensed therapist. Um, I do behavioral health work, journeying with people that are wrestling with depression, anxiety, trauma, grief, loss, their identity, how they're seeing themselves, how they're seeing God, because our life experiences can change our perspective on ourselves, but then also we can project that pain and that hurt that we experience in life onto God, and it changes how we see him. So assisting clients in reframing their thought process and their experiences to know that God still loves you, mental health isn't new to God. So that's what I do as it pertains to, to therapy. I'm also an author. Um, I've authored two books, um, A Mom, that's my favorite role, that's my favorite title. Um, I have two amazing, um, one little, little one, and then one little big one, um, Bryson and Braxton. So mm -hmm. that's who I am. And the work that I do, it is so rewarding. Um, because, you know, for so long, mental health has been stigmatized. And it's also been demonized as it pertains mm -hmm. to our faith community, faith based community. So to be able to journey with people and to teach them that mental health is not new to God and is evident throughout his word, even Jesus Christ himself allowed himself to journey through the humanity of life and to redirect people back to Christ and to know that God cares about us holistically, our minds, our hearts, our soul, um, and to allow people just to be human and to be undone and knowing that it's not a reflection of their relationship with God. And just like you said in that, um, you know, reading that scripture, Jesus wants to bless us abundantly, but we have to be able to do the work and partner with him and being well. Mm -hmm. that knowing that we have to get down to the root of things. So doing this work is so rewarding for me personally and professionally because I've dealt with my own bout um, with my mental health challenges as it pertains to journeying through depression and um, suicide, you know, suicidal thoughts and attempts. And I'm still here and I get to see you and, you know, talk to you. So that's the work that I do. And I'm blessed to be able to do it. Amen. I mean, like, Man, we could say thanks for coming, y'all. Good night, <laughs> right? Because like the beauty of you being willing to say, you know what, what the enemy intended for evil, God is going to use it. Right, <laughs> right. Y'all, I wish you could see her. She's turning her finger. Like, was it Fred Hammond or Israel? Like every time I turn around, God's got, he's, he's going to turn it around and that is straight out of Genesis that what the enemy intended for my harm and my evil, God is going to use for my good, his glory and yeah. the good of others. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to um, another friend who is in this same space of helping people 
um, not even process. Cause a couple of years ago, I stopped saying process because that's God's work. Like he wants to partner with us. He does the processing. We do the partnering and then he works it through us as we show mm-hmm. up. Um, but I was talking to another friend and she said like, what a gift that not only does God turn things around for us, but while he's working that out, he also gives us the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind, mind. right? Yeah. To then, like it says in James, to let patience have its perfect work, that while God's working, we don't have to wait for the outcome. We get to do the work Yes, and he's going to see to it that our hearts and our minds are at peace mm-hmm. while it's working out. Um, I love that. I love yeah, that. just I uh, and I, I just want to pause and say thank you for even recognizing that in church cultures, church cultures that sometimes the work of mental health and mental wellness has been over stigmatized and demonized. Like when you said that, I almost jumped out of my seat because it's not talked about enough. Um, in Christian circles. So if we could, I, I don't know what's on your notes, but if we could, I would love to just kind of hang in that space for a minute. Yes, let's do it. Let's and do talk. It. Um, yeah, go for it. Just give us what you got. <laughs> so I always believe that in order to understand anyone, you have to know their story. You have to know where they come from. And like I mentioned, you know, I wrestled with depression. I wrestled with alcoholism. That was my way of self-soothing and coping was to drown myself into something to just take myself mentally away from the trauma and the pain that I was experiencing. And it wasn't until... Um, And I say this so confidently, my last suicide attempt, which was um, December 2019. Mm -hmm. And what I realized in that moment was I really didn't want to take my life. I just wanted the pain to stop for the first time in my life. And even now, I guess we're kind of sort of still in this global, you know, pandemic, even though we're outside. But for the first time, many of us had to sit with ourselves during the pandemic. And we didn't know how to do that, nor did we have the tools to do that. So for the first time in my life, my past trauma, childhood trauma that was never dealt with, and the present trauma merged. And it was just too much for me. And when we think about pain and how the brain is made up, our brain is made up of this thing called neuroplasticity, which is like clay. So every time we experience something in our lives, whether pleasant or unpleasant, it changes how we think and how we show up. So all of this pain that I was going through, it changed how I was showing up and how I was feeling and how I was seeing God in the midst of that, that I said, God, I'm tired. I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. So I started planning what it was that I was going to do, setting up my finances for my boys, just making sure everything was okay. Because in my mind, I said, God, I'm better off of this earth. And when I realized in December, 2019, as I was at home wrestling with these thoughts, I, you know, grabbed the, the, the doorbell, um, the door handle, excuse me. And I said, God, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And as soon as I grabbed that knob, he grabbed my hand and said, no, we're going to do this together. And what I realized in that moment was I wanted to heal from things that I survived. Many of us survive things, but we never heal from it. We just learn how to survive it and we learn how to mask it. We learn how to shout over it, pray over it, dance over it, work over it, um, spend over it. Whatever year it is, we learn how to jump into it instead of sitting with ourselves. And God said, no, you're going to have to sit in this thing. You've never sat in it. You're going to have to sit in this thing. And I partnered my faith with therapy. And it was in therapy that I studied about the story of Elijah from a different perspective. I always, you know, heard about Elijah, studied him, but not from this, not from this perspective. And my therapist said, have you ever considered the story of Elijah? And I said, yeah, I know about Elijah. I know about all the miracle, miraculous things he did. Yeah, I know about Elijah. He said, um, she said, but have you studied him? Not his works, but Hmm. him. And I said, hmm. So I studied and what I realized is how lovingly and how kind and how gracious God is 
that Elijah went through his moment of depression and his moment of not wanting to be here. And sometimes as women, we deal with so much that is so overwhelming that we're taught to be strong and push through and, and be superwoman. But in reality, superwoman is a fallacy within itself. That's not even real. But we take on all of the responsibility and the brunt, and it's so overwhelming. And I said, God, I don't want to do this. So when I started studying Elijah, I noticed how God responded to Elijah. God didn't say, you're this prophet. I just, I just used you as this vessel to, to do all these, these miraculous things. He said, let me feed you. Let me tend to your physical needs first. Because whenever we go through things, our bodies absorb what it is that we go through. Just like we say, our bodies are a temple. If you think about our bodies being a temple, a house, when you think about those who hoard, that used to be one of like my favorite shows, Hoarders. But one of the things I realized that in every house, one of the things I noticed is that every single person had a physical sickness because of the, their environment. Hmm. We hoard onto our emotional pain and our distress. It shows up in our bodies and it wears us down that we start to wear our troubles. We start to wear our stressors. So that's why God first attended to Elijah's physical needs before he can address his mental and emotional needs. He fed him. He gave him rest. And then he said, Elijah, come and get away with me. And the thing that I love about that scripture and in that story is that we don't know how long Elijah was in that cave for. So that lets me know that my healing time-wise may not be yours. I may be away for six months. I may be away for a year, but there's no timetable on healing because healing isn't linear. And when I thought about how God responded to Elijah, the, the first thing he said to Elijah is, why are you here? And I said, God, why would you ask him that? You're God, you know why he's there. He's right. depressed, he's tired, he's overwhelmed. He said, Candace, no. I wanted to give him the opportunity to put language on his pain. I wanted him to know that I hear him, that I see him. I wanted him to know that what it is that he's experiencing, I can handle it. That freed me because I'm like, as a minister, as someone who went to school in this, I should know better. I should have the tools. I'm a minister. I'm a mom. Because I, I was hearing all of these things during that time. Well, just suck it up, get over it. You're not the only one who's dealt with this. And, you know, just pray your way through it. And I'm like, God, I'm praying, but I'm still broken. I'm still hurt. I still feel broken. And one of the things that God had to reframe my language, and he said, Candace, you're not broken. You're hurt. You're mm. not broken. You're hurt. And that changed how I saw myself, but it also showed me God. And it showed me how he is so loving and that he cares about our, our wounds mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And when I saw how he so kindly like just navigated that with Elijah, and even afterwards, he sent Elijah back out. So what that let me know is that as daughters, as his daughters, he gives us a space and an opportunity to come away with him. And then he sends us back out. So that lets me know it's okay, it's okay. And that is something that I always and will forever stand on is that if I'm not okay, that it's okay because God will hold me. He will lovingly hold me and he will allow me time to, to heal, to unpack, to, to go sit on that couch and pair my faith. Because again, we have to learn how to bridge the gap between psychology and theology because it's not new to God. It's evident in how he handled Elijah. Why are you here? That's the first thing I ask my clients. How did you get here? What happened? What happened to you? Who didn't hear you? When was your voice silenced? What happened? That's what Elijah asked God. That's what God asked Elijah, excuse me, what happened to you? I mean, like, as you're, as you're explaining that, like, so I'm a word nerd and yeah. <laughs> I love to like toss words back at God that are used often, especially words that are, that become like buzzwords in Christian circles. I call them like coffee mug or t-shirt buzzwords or like wall hanging words. Um, and you, and they're, it's rarely words that are like profound or prophetic or like words of the year it's never those words it's usually words like for there was a season that I kept tossing back the phrase you got this 
I was over, like I was over it. I was like, I'm so sick of people tossing that almost placating to like Mm -hmm. cheer me on. But it was almost, I was receiving it as you didn't even stop and think of like a phrase to support me. You just stamped it. Right. And I was getting angry with it. and, And I felt like God, not, I felt like I heard God say like, like, let's talk about that. Why don't you like those phrases? Right. And so as, and there's a whole other conversation that happened with that, that he healed some, some things in me, but as you were explaining where he said, um, that you had to reframe your language that you were using. And and he told you, you're not broken, you're hurt. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this down because now like no joke, he's been highlighting the word broken to me and I'm trusting it's because he's getting ready to do the same thing that I've been doing to him talk tossing phrases at him like fix it God because I don't like this word and said it I got this like jolt in my gut Mm. where he's like let's fix this because I don't like it yeah right Mm -hmm. um so if you don't mind like I'd like to camp there for a second because it (sighs) It almost feels like cult, Christian culturally, we've grabbed mm-hmm. hold to that word broken mm-hmm. and labeled ourselves or received the label because now I can say this is who I am. Yeah. I haven't known who I was or what was wrong with me, mm-hmm. but now because I have a name for it, mm-hmm. I'm just going to hang out here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't define none of it what's does. really going on. None of it does. Yeah. And none if you don't mind, I'd like to stay there for a second just to see like, mm-hmm. like what is like where did that come from? I don't we could go down a rabbit trail on that one, but like yeah. what did what did God reveal to you? I know you said he revealed you're not broken, you're hurt. What did he reveal to you beyond that? Yeah, when you think about that word, that word broken, um, for me, what he revealed to me is that, you know, after we go through different um, unpleasant experiences in our lives, sometimes we, we cling on to what it is that we're feeling and we'll use words like broken to define us. I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken. Um, I'm broken about, you know, this divorce. I'm broken about this job loss. I'm broken about the financial distress. I'm broken about what is going on with my children. And realizing that we start to wear the words that we utilize. There's so much power in our words. So I started operating from that and said, hey, I'm already damaged goods. I'm broken. I'm going to drown myself in these unhealthy coping skills because this is what it is that I'm feeling. In the moment that I started to reframe my language and identify what it is to say, no, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm sad. I'm dealing with grief. I'm dealing with loss and being able to say what I'm dealing with, but not saying that these things define me. It changed my lens to say, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not broken. Because even when you think about what happened in that cave with Elijah, God sends him back out. And that lets me know that I'm still anointed. I'm still called. I'm still chosen. I'm still his. Mm. And I'm still his masterpiece. So it let me know that I'm still his masterpiece, but these are just the things that he wants to heal, that I'm not broken, that I'm not this, the damaged goods because I dealt with this situation. It doesn't define me. And I had to look at it and really get down to to that word and being able to say, I I don't want Candace and broken in the same sentence. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good doesn't look good because again we we start to wear those things and people will project how they see our experiences onto us and then we'll cling on to it because that's what I heard and I took hold of that and said yeah I'm, I'm going through this divorce I'm broken I'm trying to, to to find Candace again so so I'm broken and God said who told you that who told you that because mm-hmm. I didn't tell you that where did you see in my word that I said that you're a broken vessel 
Where did you find that at? Yeah, see, see, that's what I mean. But when you said it, something, something in me jumped Mm -hmm. that I I can't write, I can't really put my finger on what jumped, but something in me jumped to really just say that maybe that's been a phrase that we've been overusing. And to what you just said, he doesn't say that that's what he called us. He says that he will use what has happened to us. So I love that you said, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm dealing with. This is not what defines me. Mm -hmm. And even, man, I'm so, and I'm glad that you said mm-hmm. just this, the juxtaposition. Go ahead. Yeah. And can I read this definition that I just looked up when it, yeah, the word broken. And that's why I say Candace and broken, or you can, you know, put your name in there and say, I'm not broken. Having been fractured or damaged in no longer in one piece or in working order, having been fractured or damaged in no longer, no longer in one piece or in working order, no longer. If I hold on to that word, that defines me that I'm no longer useful to God, that I'm no longer called, that I'm no longer anointed, that I'm no longer chosen, that I'm no longer worth it. And to put that on me, that just goes against everything that God told me that I am. So when I tell myself that I have to talk back to myself and tell myself, that's a lie. Where did I, well, who, who told me that? And who told them that? Because a lot of times we hear things and it's from generation to generation to generation. And I say, no, I'm just hurting right now. But best believe when I bounce back, I'm going to bounce back strong. But give me this space to heal God gave Elijah space to heal because God sent Elijah back out. If I'm broken, the definition says I'm no longer useful. Right. I'm no longer in working order, but I still have a work to do here in the earth. So it goes against everything. That's why language is so important. I'll be the first one to say, I used to use some language that really didn't define me, but that's why I had to reframe myself and re-gospel myself to Mm -hmm. really study the word of God and say, God, how do you see me? Because right now I can't see myself beyond my tears. How do you see me? And God would just so lovingly say, come here, daughter, come away with me, come away with me. And for some of us coming away, maybe stepping away, having some some time for self-care and self-care goes beyond pampering. Self-care is putting boundaries in place, saying no, not overextending yourself, resting. Jesus says, come away with me if you're weary. And when we, we're hurting, we are weary. Our yeah. hearts, our minds, our soul come away because there's still a great work that you have to do here in the earth. But right now you're not well and that's okay. That's why I'm here. But if I'm broken, that means I'm no longer useful. And, and, and that's not me. And that's not you. Yeah. I mean, just the reframe. I love that phrase, re-gospel myself. Like <laughs> that just... And, and, and to acknowledge the scripture that you just referenced, like he says, if you're tired and burned out on religion. Yes. On religion. On religion. Right. I'm I'm big on words too. I'm like, yeah, that's that part. Right. Right. Like come away with me, come away with me and I will show you the unforced rhythms of rest unforced where he's never going to snatch you by the collar. Mm, yeah. And tell you, I was talking to a friend recently of just, we've been studying through the book of Jude and mm-hmm. the reality of we could read through any of scripture and say, who they were a trip. They needed Jesus, but we forget that sometimes we are they, <laughs> right? Like I am they, yeah. and I might be on the receiving end of Jude's letter or like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like knowing that we're all a work in progress, which is why I'm doing this whole series of like, mm-hmm. let's get honest. Let's take a moment and sit toe to toe with Jesus. If we have to nose to nose with the Holy spirit, right? Like God gave me this image, like 
this image and there may be somebody that's hyper religious or theological that says that's just not possible for you to do that with the holy spirit but here's how he speaks to me yeah he held my face in his hands Mm. and just pulled me really really close so i could feel feel his breath on me yeah and to what you said where he just said look at me look at me you know how you do your kids when like your kids are in a moment and you're like hey eyes on me eyes on me yes look at me for a second said that because that's exactly look at me right and he's like hey 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 like when my kids were little my husband if they were in one of those like hyperventilating cries he would grab him he would say hey hey look at me breathe yeah let's settle down and tell me what happened right like you said what happened here (laughs) yeah right what happened yeah. What happened? What happened? That- ask people that those questions, we judge them based upon their behavior. And I always say there's a backstory. You got to get down to the root of it. What happened to you? And when you said that about, you know, sitting with Jesus, I've been studying the woman at the well, mm. it's a very familiar story. And we know that she had five husbands and she was working on the sixth one. But what I love is how even at that time, though Jews and the Samaritans was, you know, it was great animosity between the two. Jesus didn't care about that. He was just like, no, like I'm going to go this route because there's a woman that is in need. He sent the disciples away and he handled her with love and compassion, but he did it privately, Hmm. pulled her cards and said, you don't have to continue to thirst the way that you do. And we don't know the backstory of why she had five husbands. All we know is that there was a cycle. There was a pattern that's there. And all of us either know that woman, have been that woman. Come on. Or are that woman. And Jesus just wants to just sit with us and say, I know about your past. I know about it all, but I'm here and I love you and I will love you through this. But we have to be honest with ourselves and just sit in it and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Because there's nothing that that Jesus can't handle. It's the shame and the guilt that we feel to release it out of our mouths. But yeah, like yesterday or a couple of days ago, I posted on Facebook that we can end this game of shaming and shooting mm. because it's not getting us anywhere. It's yeah. not getting us anywhere. It's not getting the people that we're casting the shame on. Like if you think of, if you think of like the spewing that kind of vitriol on people is like casting a net Mm -hmm. and it traps them and sometimes people knowingly cast them yeah and and throw words at people with the intention of trapping them and the intention of netting them um but but that was that's how i feel this word broken has been thrown at us and maybe we've thrown it on ourselves um to, to literally like to just to think of the I don't know just to think of the woman at the well and Jesus literally took the very thing that had been thrown at her and said can I use it to like quench your thirst right because for her to even circle around and say well this here well like <laughs> yeah. this is this is who did such and such and this and that and this is who I am and he's like if you knew who was talking to you like yeah. you would actually be asking me for a drink, for a like, drink. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it, I don't, man, I'm like, I just, and then to know that like, he, he, I love the fact that you identified, he spoke to her privately. He didn't yeah. call her out in public. He could have, he could have, but that would have emotionally and mentally harmed her. Right. And even and like you think in of- her heart. Right. The woman caught in the act of prostitution and he didn't even call her out, even though they tried to. He pulled her to the side and said, yes, hey, we're going to and we don't even know what he wrote. We don't know what he wrote. He could have wrote all their names in the ground. Like you see John and Stephen. That's what I believe that he he put their names. You want to be quiet. Right. I believe that too. I, if, you, if we leave it up to our, our own, no, I think he wrote their business out there and they saw their names and said, you know what? We just want to. How about I just put off. down my rock, right? <laughs> Let me just put this down. That's what I believe. To know that God knows and he didn't even shame them. He didn't. 
because we don't know if he didn't he probably I just don't think Jesus will put the name I no. just think he put their narrative and they knew they knew right like I think he he didn't even call to your point he didn't call them out or write their names I think he wrote down the sins that were due stoning mm-hmm Right. Like scribbled the the possibility of like this one could use a stone and that sin could use a stone. And if any of you are not guilty, if any of you are not guilty, and you can throw yeah. a stone of any of these things that I've just scribbled in the sand. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I, I hate to hear and hates a heavy word, but like something goes through me when someone says, well, I've reached a point in my life where I had to draw the line in the sand. I'm like, you don't draw. You don't have the authority to draw the, the line. in the sand. That's Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the mistake of what we've cast, like the responsibility on ourselves. There is a responsibility that we take in being well and identifying our junk. Mm -hmm. But the, like I said, at the top of the conversation is that's just an invitation to own our part, Mm -hmm. getting honest of saying something's off. Even if it gets to the point, and I appreciate your vulnerability, it, it gets to the point that like our hand is on the door or on the pill or on the bottle or on the yeah. whatever. And admitting I'm tired and just the difficulty is that collectively we all sat in it together. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of us sat in it together and didn't weren't willing to say to the other person like hey what are you doing mhm mm-hmm. and I, like i used to say in a circle of friends of mine like we're going to get together and help each other acknowledge what feels heavy and acknowledge what feels yeah. like it's unbearable but mm-hmm. if we find that one is in a ditch we will not jump in and decorate it with you mhm i'll extend a hand to help pull you out but I can't get in there with you if I am not well. Yeah. Knowing your capacity, what do you have the capacity for? Right. Being okay with that and accepting that. How do you help say you have, say I'm one of your clients and I come to you, a brand new client and you say, well, like, why are you here? And Mm -hmm. what happened? And I say, I have no clue. I have no clue how I got here Mm -hmm. because I know that they're, I mean, there are some places in my own heart where I'm like, I have no idea how that happened, right? How do you begin the work of identifying how you got there? So one of the things I always do is I check in with my clients and how I check in with my clients is I start with how they're feeling because a lot of times we only put surface level words on how we're feeling. You know, I'm okay. I'm sad. I'm good. You know, I've been better, but getting down to the root of what you're feeling. And sometimes we need a visual of that. So I will always share what we call, um, is a feeling will Mm. say, okay, if you don't know what led you to this point, let me show you this will of feeling words. Mm. And it breaks it down to the point where it talks about loneliness and vulnerability and anger and um, betrayal and all of these different feeling words. And sometimes clients don't even know what it is that they're feeling until they see the language. That's why going back to Elijah and God, that was why he said, what are you feeling? I need you to put language on it. So to see those words and to say, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm devastated. I feel embarrassed, embarrassed. It starts to tell the story, Hmm. getting down to the root of what you're feeling, because our thoughts influences our feelings and our emotions. And then our feelings and emotions influence our behavior. All people saw in the town at the time was the woman at the well with the five husbands. And I'm pretty sure she was called everything under the sun. But we don't know what happened in her childhood. We don't know what happened in her adolescent years. We don't know the rejection, the abandonment, the betrayal, the pain, the loneliness, the worth that she may have been dealing with. All you see is the behavior. So before I get to the behavior, I need to get to the root of what it is that you're thinking and that you're feeling about yourself, about God, about the world. 
So I ask that question as it pertains to the feeling. And then I go to the thoughts and I say, what are you thinking about yourself? I pull up your core beliefs. And I said, these are some, this is some hard, you know, language to hear, but do you feel any of these? Do you feel unlovable? Do you feel stupid? Do you feel um, ugly? Do you feel abnormal? They're harsh words. Hmm. And one of the things I realized a lot of times people will identify with those words. And it's like, wow, I never said that out loud. Or they may fill in their own blank and say, wow, I don't feel that. But seeing that made me realize this is what I'm feeling. And then I said, where did that thought, where did that feeling, where was that birthed? What experience? And then we start unpacking it. Hmm. Start unpacking it. But it starts with what it is that we're feeling and that we're thinking before it even shows up in our behavior and our actions. See, that explains, yeah, that explains one day I asked, um, so I do, um, behavior coaching, not Mm -hmm. on a licensed therapist level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is why I'm inviting y'all into this space because I know where my service stops. (laughs) Um, but, and mine is mostly in the work of wellness, nutrition, fitness. Mm -hmm. And if I begin to recognize that the conversation is going in a direction that is outside of what I'm able to serve them. Mm-hmm. Then I try to have a really healthy, um, open-ended conversation that they recognize to your point of, wow, I've never said that out loud. They recognize I actually need to go talk to somebody about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really beautiful to watch the person identify. Self, yeah, self-identification. Right? It's so yeah, healthy it and so like, it's almost like you can see, like, mm-hmm. you know, how sunflowers, when they're sad, they start to droop. And yeah, then when they lift sad. up and <laughs> like face forward. Yeah. Um, but that it also explains why one day I posted, um, some of the things that God was identifying that were true core beliefs that I had that were unhealthy. They were great words. They weren't self-defeating. They weren't negative. They weren't condescending, but they were limiting core beliefs. And he started unpacking these for me. And so I'd shared it and asked, I forget the exact question that I asked, but I asked like, Mm -hmm. well, what are your core beliefs? And someone private messaged me and she said, I don't know that I've ever had any core beliefs. And I Mm -hmm. said, sure, I'm sure you do. You may not have ever been asked it in that regard. Yeah. Right. And I sent her a couple of questions and she came back and said, wow, this is bigger than I thought. Mm -hmm. And I think just like the, like the self-discovery type questions and they're great. Like you find them on Pinterest and Mm -hmm. things like Mm -hmm. that. I was going to say, but I hesitate to use the word, but, and they're great. And they can take us down a path that if we're not in the company of the Holy spirit or yeah. the company of a trained professional, the enemy will have his way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll start to wear them and we'll yeah. start to show up in them. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was something you said, um, Oh, when you, when I was asking about your response to um, helping a person understand what happened or why they're mm-hmm. there with you, um, and you mentioned the feeling wheel, I made a note here. I wrote, "How are you feeling?" and then I scratched out "how" and wrote the word "what." Mm-hmm. And my question was, "Do you think it would be um, wiser of us, even when we check in with ourselves?" to mm-hmm. ask the question, what are you feeling versus how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Because when you think about the language of, of what it takes, when we talked about it defining us, mm-hmm. what are you feeling to put language on it, but it takes away the ownership of it. And even when we think about our feelings, there's nothing that we feel that is unhealthy, even anger. That's one of the things that I had to regospel myself in as it pertains to anger, but I had to realize, no, I have the right to be angry at someone I love. I have the right to be angry. I don't have the right to show up in that anger. I don't have the right to act out that anger, but I can feel devastated. I can feel those feelings, but putting language on it, now I can take that up to God and say, this is what I am feeling. 
help help me to unpack this heal me in this area so it doesn't show up in my behavior Mm. so that Mm. is so important to always be able to do that and that's something that's a tool that I utilize it's a practical tool Um, anyone that's listening you can just google feeling well um, and it'll pop up for you but I check in with myself often I check in with myself often and that's a part of my self-care practice because I pour out so much I have to always say every time you pour out pour in Every time you pour out, pour in, even if it's for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, if you can match it, if you can't, but be intentional about pouring back into yourself. So when I feel depleted, I say, I feel depleted. Okay. What is it that I can tap into right now to fill my cup back up instead of keep going? Yeah. I love it. Cause listen, the image of a cup is what God consistently uses to remind me of who we are. We are clay in his hands. <laughs> and if at any point he needs to change the size or the portion of my cup mm-hmm. to continue the work. Um, and Jesus said, shame on, well, he didn't say shame on you. <laughs> Forgive me. Jesus <laughs> said, how about y'all stop worrying about the outside of the cup and take care of the inside, inside. of the cup? And yeah. that was his offering to remind them of there's work to be done and cleaning out on the inside of us. Again, he wasn't shaming them. He was saying there is a better way and everything that you, right. The, everything that you've offered here, I'm telling you like the re gospel myself is, I mean, you want to talk about some core beliefs being sideways, like, yes. And we all have to do that. And I even say that to my clients who are adults, I say, we have to learn to re-gospel and reparent ourselves at times because again, who we are as adults, it may have looked different for our parents being able to say what works for me and what doesn't, but it doesn't minimize Mm -hmm. any teachings. And even when we think about re-gospeling ourselves, it doesn't minimize what we may have been taught but being able to say is it rooted in truth or is it rooted in someone else's own ideology of the word that was misinterpreted so being able to look at that and say wait a minute no I can feel the way that I feel I can go through life because Jesus said we're going to have trials and tribulations so clearly and if God is a mind regulator then he knows that our minds can be dysregulated so it's okay Listen, I have a whole podcast titled Regulators Mount Up. Like, it just doesn't make sense when we shame people for what they're going through. And God is saying, hey, but I'm a mind regulator for her. See, Jesus is the regulator. How about that? (laughs) So it's it's like when we say that, when we say that he's close to us, when we are experiencing heartbreak, again, it doesn't define us, but this is how I am feeling, what I am feeling. Mm. what I am feeling. It's like, wait a minute, if he's close to me during these times, if he's a mind regulator, if he's a present, if he's present in my time of need and trouble, then it doesn't make sense that I wouldn't experience these things. So it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be human and not to bypass your humanity because Jesus didn't. We spiritually bypass so much and and just tell people and and quote scriptures to them. And most of the times they know the scriptures that we're, we're quoting but they just want somebody to see them and hear them and sit with them, just like Jesus did at the well, just like God did in the cave. They sat with them. They didn't preach to them. Jesus mm-hmm. didn't preach at first. The first thing he did was ask for a drink. He established trust and rapport before he went in to address her needs mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually. He established trust. God met Elijah's physical needs first. He established trust. He broke the barrier. Then he went into that and said, hey, come away with me. Jesus didn't bypass his humanity from the day Jesus was born to the time he was on that cross. He used his mouth and said, even in the garden of Gethsemane, Lord, take, please take this cup of suffering away from me. We always jump and shout on the yet part. We'll get to the glory of it, but you got to understand the backstory first. He said, please take this suffering away from me. Even on the cross, why has thou forsaken me? But he stayed there. He didn't move, but he put language on what it is that he's experiencing. Why can't we as sisters just be honest and real with ourselves and say, 
I'm, I'm raising these babies the best way I can, but Lord knows I'm tired and not feel judged for or feel less than a mother or less than a wife or less than because you're human. Come on, come on, man. Because Jesus didn't. He put language on everything that he was experiencing and yet he still did what he needed to do here on earth. We can do the same. We have to learn to do the same. Man, my brain. That's what I mean by re-gospel. <laughs> re-gospel ourselves. And I tell people that all the time, if I'm not okay, I'm not going to tell you I'm blessed and highly favored. I know I'm blessed. I know I'm highly favored, but today I'm not okay. I'm not going to lie to you and say I'm okay when I'm not because Jesus didn't. So why do I have to? If See, there's, to- that's, that's a perfect example of what I mean by, I was asking God to take words that were being overused and they were, again, they were simple words. And one of the words that, right, the right over spiritualizing. And one of the words that he broke down was the word good. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yes, I could go back to the beginning and say, God called it good period mm-hmm. point blank. Mm-hmm. But he said, we had, we have overused much like we've overused the word love to we've it's lost its value. Right. He said, we've overused the word good and it has lost its value. It lost its original yeah. intent from the Hebrew language of being Ooh. a blessing yeah. of the word tobe, Right that 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 when god said it is good he called it blessed mm-hmm. right i mean in human form when mary recognized that the angel came to her and then she had an encounter with elizabeth and both babies responded that mm-hmm. was good mm-hmm. right the woman who washed jesus's feet with her tears he yeah. saw that is good yeah right like for, for man to not be alone, God saw as good. Yeah. And somewhere, even, I mean, for Jesus to spit on mud and wipe it on somebody's face, he basically said, you're good now. Yeah. Right. You're blessed. Mm-hmm. And we've misused it. And someone says, oh my gosh, like I just had the best pizza. It was so good. Mm-hmm right? How's the coffee? It's so good. How was the message? It was so good. Oh my gosh. I read that book. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. We feel like if we extend the O's that it gets better <laughs> and mm-hmm. God's like, you've diluted the meaning of the word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to know that, to say that something is good in, in its original intent of being blessed meant to say that it's God. Yeah. That is God. It's, it's, it's always directed back to him. It's always back to him because it's always been about him. And it's always, always been a part of him just showing up in, in earth, like right as it is in heaven on earth. And he dropped just pieces of who he is from yeah. the beginning of creation to the end yeah. to see his goodness and we've diluted it to like, I love this pen. It's so good. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so I've been asking him and maybe it's part of the feelings wheel of like, how does that not, you know, how's the pen, but how does that pen feel when it writes across the page? Yeah. Is it, it's not good. It's fluid. It's consistent. It's, you know what I mean? Like to put language and texture and character mm. around the things that, and even color to put just depth to the things that we've just like, if you say, you know, Hey, how are you doing after someone has passed and they say, I'm good. Mm. You're not, you're not, you're not. Could you put some, could you put some texture? Like if good were a blank piece of printer paper, mm. And you ask someone how they're doing when they've lost a loved one and they say, I'm good. They don't feel like that piece of paper. No, they don't look like that piece of paper, but we've been programmed to bond in that way. Even within our Christian culture, we've been programmed to respond that way. And when we, we gospel ourselves, we see the humanity 
and the love and the kindness. And it helps us to one better just navigate this world, but then others. Yeah. But then others. As we, um, I want to keep talking. <laughs> I could talk about <laughs> for like three more hours as we wrap the conversation. Um, what would you like people to pause and consider? Cause I try to give mm-hmm. every episode as a, not as a prescription or a diagnosis, but as mm-hmm. Um, just something to help them to adjust their focus. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you want people to to walk away with? If they heard nothing else you said, what would you want them to walk away with? I would want people to walk away knowing that no matter where they find themselves in life now, that it's okay to just sit in it and rest in it, that mm-hmm. you don't have to push through it, that you don't have to work through it. Um, because a lot of times we throw ourselves into things to avoid feeling what's there, but being okay with getting down to the root of what it is that you're feeling and what it is that you're thinking and knowing that you serve a God who cares about you holistically. So no matter what you're going through mentally right now, emotionally, physically, financially, whatever it is, don't sweep it under the rug. Don't look at what the person next to you has done. Because again, eyes on me, right? Eyes on me. Heal and work through this the way that God has attended for you. Because what may be tolerable for me may be terminal for you. And what may be tolerable for you may be terminal for me. We cannot judge what it is that we go through our, in our lives based upon what we have seen. You have to learn how to heal for you and heal the way that God has created for you to heal. So allow yourself to just sit in it. It may be uncomfortable. It may not feel good, but you're not in this alone. Amen. Amen. You're not in this alone. What may be tolerable for you may be terminal for me. Good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to stop. Cause I would keep, go- I want to <laughs> keep going. <laughs> um, I told you when we, before I even hit record, um, I have a feeling this will be a part two. I just need to like, we, I just need to do a live. I wish there was a way to do a call in. Like, you know, how back in the day, like you're well, listening to whatever and the people yeah. could call in and you talk. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that we either need to do, a Facebook live, like you Mm -hmm. and I here on zoom. And then we just cast it as a live stream on Facebook where people can have live conversation Conversation. while we're talking. Um, Because then for the people that are like, I don't listen to podcasts, but they're on Facebook, listening to Facebook lives. I'm like, you do. You just don't know that you do. (laughs) I'm thinking that's what we need to put on the calendar, like sometime soon. Um, because I know that you have more to share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you've got more to like, she's y'all. I wish you could see her. She's like, <laughs> yeah, but women, I, women, we need a safe space, right? Safe space to just, to just show up as us, not as right. the wife, the mother, the sister, the daughter, the minister, um, the usher, the Sunday school teacher, but just right. us. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what I've been trying to create here. Um, and in addition to that, having the safe space, knowing that when you've come into the safe space, that you've got people that you can talk with yeah. while it's coming up, you know what I mean? To talk through it. So, well, I am grateful that you've given me this time because I know this is the work that you do professionally and people pay you well to help them walk through this stuff. Um, so look, how about that? Y'all got the, the intro to a counseling session. This was not your counseling session. Disclaimer, hashtag. No. <laughs> <laughs> your podcast is not your counseling session. Yeah. Um, I am going to put all of Candace's contact information where you can find her book, find her on her socials, her website, um, reach out to her if you know necessary. Yeah. And I'm sure she will point you in the right direction if she's not the person for you. 
Um, but I'm grateful that she's doing this work with the gospel included because that is how I love that you said you partnered your therapy with Jesus because that's how the work gets done and it sticks. Um, yes, that that is what Jesus was. That's what he came for. And he asked us to finish the work. So well done. Keep going, as my mentor says. Um <laughs> So y'all, I just appreciate you giving us the time of your day, whether you got to listen to this whole episode in its entirety in one sitting, um, or if you came back and listened one half and then came back to the second half, or if you kept rewinding, pausing and taking notes, I pray that that's how you listen to it because there were good things here. Um, Until we get to meet with each other again, whether it's here on the podcast or on social media, or if even you've emailed me and I got a chance to chat with you, as always, I pray that the conversation helps you to think about what you're thinking about, never in a shaming or shooting manner, but just as an invitation to say, hey, could you put that thing in front of God and see what he has to say about it? And I pray that um, at the back end of the conversation, it gives you permission to be well. So until we get to meet again, stay free, stay free and keep moving. Y'all take care.